0: Hello, and welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about expatriates and the artistic way they've styled their lives around the world. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. Find yourself shipwrecked in a far-off place, and Dale, welcome to the show. <laughs> Try not to plan too much at all. It would just be spontaneous.
1: I quit the limiting stories.
0: I really try to overcome that fear. I'm going to sail again. i one more. I got one more sailing. Love her, but leave her wild. But it didn't work for me. The American dream was not going to work for me because I didn't fit the American dream. I had respect when I was a love Now I'm a world and I have respect for myself. You know what, Jacob? I'm a secret fan. And I prefer it just to be secret. And if you can figure out who Dale Dagger is, then figure it out. And if you can't, then go. Welcome to episode three of Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the cultures and expatriatism that you find around the world and the people who choose to live within them. I'm sitting here with an extremely talented, interesting, beautiful young lady by the name of Carly Fox, her new married name who has been residing in Nicaragua for the last four years. She's 28 years old, um, but had been on the road traveling prior to that for four years. So I think she'll add a lot of uh, good content and uh, we'll get to hear a lot of interesting things about her life in Nicaragua and life on the road. Carly, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Chiefs.
0: So I met Carly in Nicaragua a few years back and uh, she struck me as an individual who was very independent and willing to really put herself out there and, and venture to the farthest fields to really soul search and, and figure out who she was and what she wanted in life, it struck me that, uh, there wasn't many girls doing that around Nicaragua back in the day. So before we get into you coming to Nicaragua, I'd kind of like to learn more about you and your past and, and where you come from and, and why do you think you became a traveler and, and chose to live in, in Nicaragua? Like when did it start? Let's let's start there.
1: Yeah, I think uh growing up in I mean, not to insult anyone from Winnipeg, it was a great place to grow up, but um for my kind of framework of grading a place, I'm not really interested in living there. I didn't really have what I wanted. So growing up in an undesirable for me place, um, place to be made it pretty easy to wanna seek seek, you know, at a pretty young age. My parents always took us on trips probably because it was so bloody cold in the wintertime. You know, we'd go to the ocean and go somewhere warm or go to the mountains and ski. Um, So I always had that idea of kind of getting out and seeing and doing other things. And then when I had the kind of wherewithal or the own personal freedom to make different choices, I made them pretty quickly.
0: Nice. So would you classify um, your growing up in Winnipeg as a happy experience or did you find yourself ever kind of Depressed and just desperately wanting to get out and get away from it? I mean,
1: I guess both, like yeah. really happy existence, great fam, lots of love. But yeah, and maybe that's just like the human condition or like the teenage condition, but I also hated it and wanted to leave and was depressed and cold and over it, you know, mm-hmm. and knew that there was at that time and place cooler places that I could be. You
0: know? So, what was then that first place, that first uh, trip you went on without your parents? Where you flew away?
1: Uh, the first time I went off on my own, I was 20 and I took a trip to Europe.
0: Okay. Did you go with friends or were you by yourself?
1: I went by myself. Yeah. Wow. At 20. Yeah. Uh, so that must have been a good one for the, for the family. But yeah, kind of traveled all over Europe and then found my way to the coast in Portugal. And, and then that's when I started surfing also. And when the game started really becoming over for my life in Canada.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. How long were you in Europe for that first trip?
1: I was there for three months.
0: Three months. And then how How did you finance that?
1: Um, not very well. You know, I just saved. I worked. Yeah, a little bit frugal, but also just very irresponsible, kind of ready to do it on the cheap. There's a website. I don't know if it's still out there, but it's called Couchsurfing. You can stay with people for free kind of all across the globe. So I was couchsurfing and just counting my pennies and eating like loaves of bread and cookies and stuff <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I didn't have much money, but it, it worked. Uh, money's never really held me back from doing what I wanted to. So.
0: Now, did you have a plan or an itinerary or how this... So you worked with the plan to go to Europe, and then prior to getting to Europe, did you have an itinerary of how this was all going to play out when you landed?
1: I had a couple of ideas. Um, I'd be lying if I said I didn't go there also to see a guy. <laughs> okay. There was a guy that I liked that was living in uh, Eastern Europe in Lithuania at the time. And so my idea was that I'd go and see this guy and say hello and then go from there onto my own adventure. Now that you know you're coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. I think I was invited, but that that's kind of irrelevant anyways. Uh so I did that and then um I think what sparked the rest of the itinerary was actually my dad. My dad, when he was twenty one, did a trip in Portugal and Morocco in the south of Spain. And I'd seen photos of it and he was just kind of this radical dude with, like, long hair and, like, no shirt and this canvas bag. And he told me all about his adventures. And so that place and time in his life, but then also in the world, was really attractive to me. And so I knew that I'd kind of want to go check that area out. and
0: Following Dad's footsteps. Yeah, I
1: don't think I was, like, looking at it exactly like that at the time. But looking back, he definitely inspired that, you know.
0: That's great. Now, so you discovered surfing there. Yeah. What was that like?
1: Uh, Yeah, I was couch surfing with um, a random dude in Lithuania, I mean in uh, Lisbon, in Portugal, and he just mentioned that he had a friend who taught surf lessons and um, set me up, and so I took my first surf lesson. Yeah, and then the rest of that trip, I stayed kind of on the coast and surfing all the way through Portugal and into Morocco, and I've always been kind of competitive, and so especially with those physical feats, um, once I started surfing, I really wanted to be good at it right away, and surfing's not something you can be good at right away, as you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, it's a lifelong struggle. Yeah. Always working at it. That's right. But that's interesting. So you met a guy, he kind of said, hey, try surfing, and then did he travel with you after you kind of caught the bug? or?
1: No, I took this one day of uh, surf lessons in uh a little town near Lisbon in Portugal, and then after um, heard that there was surf in the Algarve, which is like the southern tip of Portugal, and so went there right away. Solo, alone. solo, alone. and yeah, then kept going
0: and going to Africa is where you kept going. Yeah, that's yeah. gnarly. So yeah. tell us a little bit about that as a as a female at twenty yeah. who just figured out how to surf <laughs> decides to go to Morocco by herself.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I might have been in a little bit over my head, but. But uh, it was a great trip. I was a little nervous. Um, people also, I'm sure they always talk about this, but at the time, like, you know, Morocco was dangerous. So you had to be really careful. And so all of these little seeds of fear had been planted, but I still went and, uh, yeah, took overnight trains and went in the markets in Marrakesh. And I remember uh, that was the first time, like, really being aware of uh, of myself being a female and that being, like, something very culturally different from being a man in that country and like the places that you could go and feel comfortable or what you would wear and feel comfortable was like very defined and different and so I think that was actually a pretty powerful and important experience for me to have at such a young age like that awareness and kind of feeling through these cultural boundaries and being a woman and and what that means being alone in a place that you don't feel comfortable Uh, I was scared and, and I loved it Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd do it again. <laughs> and
0: how did the locals treat you? Did you find that the, the seeds of fear that people had put in you were true? Or did you encounter a completely different sort of culture when you went and explored it?
1: Yeah, I, I didn't encounter any, uh, any problems. So I'd say definitely the, the latter. Yeah, it was safe and easy. I definitely was more aware of covering myself up and those sorts of things, but remembering back to that. That time I I remember like the warmth and the friendliness of people and local guides kind of showing me around and bringing me places. And
0: And would uh, families take you in? Did you have any experiences like that where Um, they would invite you in for dinner or take you home and let you crash or anything like that?
1: I didn't have any families take me in, but I was probably too scared, (laughs) you know, to engage.
0: And uh, what kind of waves did you encounter how to surf there?
1: Well, I guess it's always relative to your surfing ability. I remember catching my first green wave there. Um, I remember uh, driving up to like a couple dramatic cliffs with serious drop-offs and seeing some like real surfers down below surfing these kind of big, beautiful point breaks. At the time, I didn't really know what I was looking at, but have those kind of images cemented in my mind, kind of gnarly paddle outs through rocks and big waves and... The water was a little bit cool when I was, when I was there and, uh, yeah. And then there was obviously some friendly, faithful places that I surfed and had some success. So.
0: so your first green wave, what was that like? I mean, and was the spot well known? Was it a secret spot who took you there?
1: Uh, I went there. There was like a little surf camp in the town that, um, I landed in at like the Southern kind of point in in Morocco, which is called Tagazou. I think now it's pretty busy. And um, when I was there, it was, fairly quiet. Um, there was a couple of surf schools. And so I connected up with one of them, and you know, for like a couple of days of surf missioning around. And so they took us to like a little beach break spot and uh, there's no one else there. And at the time, there was definitely no local surfing or anything like that. So it was just, just a small crew, like enough people could fit into a van and, and these big long boards.
0: That's awesome. It sounds yeah. like out of the sixties almost.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> everyone always romances their stories back in Back in a certain time, but, uh, yeah, the wave, I'll never forget that exhilarating kind of pie and that, that energy from the ocean. Mm -hmm. Obviously it stuck with me.
0: Yeah. So yeah, so then you had to go home after three months after these amazing eye-opening experiences. And what, how'd that feel?
1: Uh, pretty bummed out, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The guy ties back into it because, uh, he lived in British Columbia, which is like in the western um, coast of Canada. Okay. So he was coming back from Europe and, you know, a couple months after I'd been home, me and my best friend packed our bags and drove my Honda Accord to the west coast of Canada and started living there. So. With him? Uh, yeah, we, well, he didn't drive with us, but we met him uh, him down there. And, okay. Yeah.
0: And then, so you lived down there, and then when was the next time you got out of Canada to hit the road again to uh, travel?
1: Um, I lived there for that whole summer with my with my best friend and with this guy and one of his friends, they actually had a cool little cabin on a lake. And so we were living kind of in the middle of nowhere, off the grid, misfitting, mm-hmm. uh, which fit pretty well, I guess. Um, and then we went to Hawaii that winter, me and um, the guy and one of his friends. So we left, you know, November of that year, which was already pretty cold in British Columbia. And then the ball really started rolling after that, you know, in terms of surf and warm weather. Was so that I mean, the sec-
0: second time you'd gone to surf or had you been surfing in D.C.?
1: We did a couple trips to Tofino and and stuff like that, but um, that was like a big commitment to serve as Canadians. You have six months um, in the U.S. without mm-hmm. having to go anywhere, and so
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know to commit to going for six months and trying to surf every day was like, yeah,
0: nice. So fun.
1: I want to kind of contrast
0: your experiences throughout what we just talked about. So you went to Europe and you had the the, the old European kind of classic tour, then Morocco, which is very culturally different much poorer country than i'd say the rest of europe and then you go back to canada and you go to the west coast and then hawaii out of all those places was there like a draw to get back to a third world country because i mean you're living now in nicaragua you've been here you love it you think you think there's something about the the experience you had in morocco that might have inspired you to want to get back to that sort of environment
1: yeah I, I wouldn't give myself the credit that at that time those seeds were planted like consciously but looking back now for sure that sense of being somewhere like raw and wild in a sense and uncharted was like super super attractive so even like living in the mountains in British Columbia with no power you know being in those places on the fringe I guess I was attracted to them always and and uh, yeah and maybe something about like that I don't know what the word is, the unregulatedness okay. of those places is, is where, uh, where I wanted to be.
0: So then where was the next place that you got back to which was similar?
1: Um, I mean, I, I mean, even in Hawaii, there was those pockets. I was volunteering with a family on a farm and we worked a couple hours a day and had a truck and would go surf, but there's like a huge fringe culture. Of people that live on those islands and kind of are trying to live off the land or live these, like, really simple, basic lifestyles. There's also people there with millions of dollars and beautiful homes. But um, so I think that I was, like, always feeding that, you know, that craving or that urge to be in those alternative places or finding those kind of grooves in, in places that I was. But it wasn't until probably I got to Nicaragua that I really settled back into that feeling of being, like, you know, in a new frontier, being, yeah. like, off the map. And yeah.
0: You bring up a good point, which I never considered before, that you don't necessarily have to come to a, an extreme place like this to get that feeling that we just spoke about, which is that sort of fringe, I do not say anti-social, but, like, anti-cultural, like, for the culture that you're living within. Right. Um, just kind of be yourself, and you can find it in these little pockets within the States or Canada yeah. or... Um, a first world country where I've always, I guess, been under the impression that it's more like the third world country has those kind of pockets more. Right.
1: I but, think it's easier here because it's everywhere. There isn't really the alternative, although slowly it's creeping in, you know. Yeah. But uh yeah, it's like that conscious choice to do something different or like, yeah, not have to fall into the the trappings, I'm not afraid to be, be out there and that's inspiring.
0: I know you spent some time in Indonesia and you told me a story recently of by yourself renting a scooter and island hopping yeah. out to a uh, very desolate part of Indonesia on the island of Sumbawa, I believe, Lakey Peak. You yeah. want to talk about that experience and how that came about?
1: Yeah. And how long had
0: you spent in Indo before you did that?
1: I hadn't, I mean, I hadn't been in Indo too long, maybe, you know, a couple of weeks or, um, got into Bali and, realized it was pretty busy and it wasn't what I was interested in and so I went to Lombok and kind of found a little place there and was posted up and surfing every day and then once you start talking to travelers you hear of like oh the next island or the next spot and I mean the scooter is just a great way to get around and those islands are pretty fun and there's ferries from island to island so yeah I kind of caught the whisper of waves and less people and you know kind of a wilder frontier and on the scooter and packed up my board bag and left my backpack at a hostel in the town I was in in Lombok. and, and it was incredible. Uh, I stopped on um, the in Sumbawa on the, um, I guess it's the western coast. There's a couple waves there first and uh, that was pretty remote and wild. and then uh, there was two guys, just like friendly travelers who were keen to go across to Sumbawa, and so they we went together with we a caravan, which probably made it a little easier. Okay. But,
0: uh, you don't hear many people doing that. I mean, I've done um, just to like Maluk, um, you know, in mm-hmm. that western part of Zimbabwe, but to scooter all the way up to Lake, he's like, that's a true adventure right there.
1: Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I think that just like walking or bicycling, even just being on a scooter and, um, versus like flying, obviously, or being in a vehicle, you're a lot more connected and interactive with the... The culture and the people as you're rolling through town. I remember kind of cruising through little villages and picking up those bottles of gas that you have to get on the side of the road and, and all the kids running out and like mobbing the bikes and being really stoked. So I have nothing but good memories from, from that trip and good roads. <laughs> yeah. It's good adventure. Were the roads really good? Yeah. Yeah. I think they were new. There was like a big mine on Sumbawa, on which is kind of weird. But I have a feeling that uh, invest in some infrastructure for sure
0: so you made it to lakey peak and how long did you stay for
1: uh, a couple couple weeks all together in Sumbawa. i think i was in indo maybe for two months maybe just a little bit less than that and and in thailand for about a month so that okay. was that kind of trip and that was uh leaving from hawaii to go on that adventure and then i went back to hawaii for a couple months okay. after that
0: I know you do uh, yoga and you're a yoga instructor. When and where did you get your certification? And when did that start playing Um, a role into making money on the road?
1: Yeah, that's a big kind of turning point. Being able to turn a passion into a money maker, sustainer on the road kind of changed the trajectory of my my life. But that happened uh, a couple of years later. I've been practicing yoga since I um, was 13. My mom took me to my first class. And then um, when I was in college and rehabbing from athletic injuries I'd had, yoga started to play a pretty big part. And then um, once I was out of college and out of playing competitive sports, I really started doing a lot of yoga. And so kind of while I was in Hawaii practicing a bunch, and then after those two winters in Hawaii, I moved to Vancouver, saved up a bunch of money, and took a teacher training in Costa Rica. It was like a month-long intensive and found myself on the shores of Nicaragua shortly after that.
0: Wow. Yeah. Cool. So I know that you have a degree in psychology. Did you ever want that to be your career path? being Becoming yeah. a psychiatrist or psychologist or anything like that?
1: When I was living in Vancouver, I thought I would take my yoga teacher training and be able to work at something I was passionate at while maybe going back to school and trying to get a master's in education and an idea of becoming a counselor of some sort at the same time that I had this whole other side of myself that wanted to live somewhere warm and have my own business. So there are these kind of two two parts of me that were that were kind of in a non-functioning relationship.
0: <laughs> that happens to the best of us, I think, at some point or another. And it's interesting because you obviously chose the yoga path mm-hmm. and living on the road and choosing to live in a... Um, place like Nicaragua, was it on that trip to Costa Rica that you got yoga certi- certification and you decide, like, I'm not going to go back and, and do a master's and this is kind of where I'm going to stay and how I'm going to do my life from now on?
1: I still hadn't decided that. I My plan was to stay um, in Central America for a few months after my training and just get some teaching experience and surf. And then, um, you know, I was always going to go back to Vancouver and get set up again and, and keep keep going along the path. I think I had this idea that whatever I wanted to do in this life and in terms of living in the tropics or creating a business was something that I had to do much later. Like I wasn't ready for it in that moment. I needed more money or more of a plan or more qualifications. So I was kind of like slowly adding things into my little bag of tricks that eventually one day I would spin into something, you know, that I really wanted to do. But I didn't think that that time and place was now or, you know, in that mm-hmm. moment.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So then when when did it come, and how long did it take? I mean, because you started traveling at 20. How old are you approximately when you got your yoga cert?
1: Um, I guess I was, uh, I think that I just turned 23, or just turned 24. Um, just turned 24. So, yeah, and then that certification was just, again, as I said, something to kind of keep uh, fueling travel and and practice while working towards something bigger than that and you know i think that it's still a work in progress i don't even feel like i'm at the end point now but um once i was here in nicaragua and decided to stay for longer than a few months just because the doors kept opening up and i was finally working at something i was interested in i don't even know what i was going to (laughs) say
0: that's all right let's talk a little bit more about that so when did you actually arrive in Nicaragua, and how did you get here? Why Nicaragua? Uh,
1: so, yeah, I did training in Costa Rica, um, and then decided to come up to Nicaragua because it was cheaper. That's what I heard. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's cheaper and less crowded. Those are the common themes that uh, thread through a lot of my travel decisions. Yeah, so i come up here and check out some opportunities with the hopes that I could stay and teach yoga, and that's what I did. Um,
0: and that's about the time we met.
1: That's about the time that we met, yeah. Nice. yeah, Yeah,
0: I always remember you... Uh, always walking down the beach to I believe it was over to Aqua where you had got yourself a yoga teaching job Mm -hmm. by just walking over and asking for one is that more or less how it worked that's more or less how
1: it worked I had to do some bartending first
0: that's correct (laughs) I think I I put in
1: put in like a good month of bartending at a at their little beach restaurant before I was able to teach because those things are so mutually (laughs) (laughs) complimentary yeah but uh yeah putting in my time and um, yeah and then started teaching and it's like the most beautiful platform in the world you know to this date in my experience so it was a pretty cool spot to have my first real you know teaching and facilitating experiences
0: great so yeah. now you're scraping by you're able to maintain a lifestyle of sorts yeah. feed yourself house yourself just scraping by right <laughs> yeah. just as we all do when we first arrive yeah so you were able to parlay that into a very successful yoga business called Papaya Wellness. Do you want to talk about that and how that came about?
1: Yeah, I guess there's um, yeah, there's kind of two sides to that. I had this motivation to keep staying in this area because I was finally teaching yoga and also because it felt magical. You know, this spot has a certain energy to it. So I had this motivation, like I'm not ready to leave. Um, and then kind of as I was having that feeling, I met sounds cheesy to call her an angel because she's a lot of other things, <laughs> too. But, uh, you know, I met um, a super powerful woman in the surf one day, and we started, uh, you know, a friendship. And uh, her name's India, and she's the founder of Papaya Wellness. Yeah, and I kind of approached her to see if she would be interested in having a partner, you know, a teammate to, to kind of really create and fine-tune the business together india had been in the area for a long time teaching um trying to you know create a business as you know very well you know make it go on her own and it's pretty amazing actually that she so um welcomed me with such open arms you know to her to her dream which was also my dream um but you know so many women can be competitive or like You know, non-complementary to each other, and she was stoked and and brought me on board, and I guess that's really when Papaya Wellness started to take the form that it is now, Um, and this is actually our, we're going into our fourth season together, so we finished three years of business in uh, November.
0: Incredible. Yeah. And um, how has the business evolved since uh, you started? I mean, I was there and remember kind of how it began, and and India was working hard, but at not quite capturing i think the essence of what she really wanted out of it Mm -hmm. until you came along and that really brought that synergy that synchronicity to where it's like you played off each other's strengths and one was you know always doing the thing that the other one wasn't the best at or something like that which i think yeah i definitely observed you helping propel the business to where it is today and so where is it at today and what what do you do
1: um, today, Papaya Wellness is a yoga and surf retreat company. It's basically a culmination of all of our, our passions and experience um, you know, as an offering to, to our guests or the people that, that come and stay with us. We, in the short form, offer week-long retreats for, for people. People are looking to get away or reconnect with themselves, um, get re-inspired maybe get healthy, start out new habits, and also just have a really good time um, without having to make many decisions. On our end, it's this idea of yeah, sharing with other people our passion for life and what we enjoy, which is yoga and mindfulness and time in the ocean and connecting in these kind of remote and crazy places and, and sharing them with people who maybe wouldn't have otherwise come here or experienced it and trying to give them that perspective you know, from our lens of what's authentic
0: Um, now is it just for women or can men also come or
1: we find that mostly women are attracted to the experience but we're open to men um men coming and we often have guys join and we'd love to have more um yeah it's for everyone it's i think it's a great tool for you know transformation or just creating change in your life to have that time and space away from your regular routines and habits um in a new environment with people who are stoked and passionate i think it yeah, it can only really do good things for, for the soul. So that's what we try to focus on in our experience.
0: So Carly, can you tell me a little bit about the types of experiences that your clientele have had or have when they come to your retreats?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the experiences are varied, but uh, we have this interesting pocket community of probably four or five different women that have been on our retreats that have gone home and totally changed their lives after moved locations. We had someone move from the Midwest to California, and another ex-retreater moved to Bali, and then another one take our yoga teacher training and travel the world for a year. And, you know, I'm sure that they were well on their journeys before they decided to, to make that move, but um, i like to think that their time here with us kind of gave them that extra push of confidence or freedom to know what they could do.
0: That's um, incredible. Before. Yeah, you were the, the tipping point for uh, their big life decision. So, I mean, I think that is a huge hats off to you and what you and India do with, you know, allowing people to come just to be themselves, give them the space just to be and give them the experiences that sounds like are motivating them to make some serious life changes. So, hey, congratulations. Thanks. Now, is Papaya Wellness home-based Nicaragua? Do you do it other places, locations around the world, or how does that work?
1: Papaya Wellness is based out of Nicaragua, out of this um, area of the coastline that we both love so much. and
0: um, Which is called?
1: Playa Gigante, okay. um, yeah, we have a few different locations here, and then, because, um, you know, as we've talked about, we're travelers by nature, and in spirit, we've, um, kind of had this itch to start traveling, we're taking Pokaya Wellness on the road a little bit more, and we've done now two retreats in Bali, two years in a row, and are looking for other locations, we're actually talking about trying to do one in Morocco, and, uh, Yeah, maybe Ecuador, getting to South America a little bit. So just this idea of, again, being authentic to our lifestyles and our natures and sharing that with other people.
0: That's incredible. So, I mean, to land in Nicaragua with knowing nothing more than the fact that you love this environment, you love to surf or this type of environment, and then just continuing to walk your path encountering the people that you encountered, you've been able to build a very successful yoga business with your partner, India, that allows you to travel continuously and make money on top of that. I mean I don't think there's a more successful story out there. And I think that's great. Success
1: for sure. Yeah, I think it's yeah, that idea that when you arrive at a time and place and and you really are open and, and being yourself and allowing you know, allowing yourself to let go of those stories or ideas of what you have to do or what you should be doing. Oh, I should be back in school or I should be making more money. You know, just to allow yourself to be somewhere, um, just being here and, and taking the time to kind of settle in and do things I didn't want to do to slowly start doing more and more of what I did want to do. Um, Which
0: was like bartending to then become a yoga instructor. Yeah,
1: the doors, you know, continually started opening more and more, and it became more and more clear what we're doing and and that it is possible and, you know, that it could happen right now as opposed to some other random point down the road. So.
0: And that's great. And you met your husband here, recently yeah. married. <laughs> yeah. And He's how... always a
1: guy in the <laughs> mix. Yeah, I met my husband here. I met him, yeah, right away.
0: That's great. Mm-hmm. And what does he do for a living?
1: Um, he also has a radical story um, and is doing community development in this area. So kind of working at a very community level, lots of empowerment and um, census to elect projects um, that kind of fulfill the community's greatest needs at any given time. So a lot of that's education focused or, you know, community health focused English classes.
0: That's great. Yeah. I hope to get to talk to him and hear his story. He's a a really good guy, Bo.
1: They call him a do-gooder do the bars and (laughs) these (laughs) parts.
0: But yeah, speaking about relationships, um, as we, Make these choices to stay in these far off places. Sometimes, you know, we have to neglect other relationships, like you know, our family relationships. In certain ways, have you found that to be a strain on your family relationships back home, or has have your family just been super supportive and like come visit you whenever they can? Because you live in amazing places that I think a lot of people would just love to come visit their kids in. So, how has that been for you and your family?
1: It's uh, it's definitely one of the downsides to to, you know, taking an alternative path and being away from from your home. It's hard. My family, they'll come here, you know, whenever they can, and they're super supportive and acknowledge that I'm kind of living out this little dream that I had so they can see that and are stoked for me. But it's still hard to be away from the day-to-day. and I'm sure that you also know that having, like, nieces or nephews or these little new beings in your life, and then as parents get older... Every everything, especially time, becomes more treasured and important, so it's super hard to be away from that.
0: That's true. Yeah, yeah I feel that for sure. Is there any advice you could give our listeners in just life, travel, business, when you, when you do make these decisions to come to this place? I mean, it doesn't have to be super profound, but things that you've learned over the years of doing this that have uh, helped you get through to, or get to where you're at?
1: Yeah, I mean... If I thought about it for a while, I'd probably have some some good ones. But the first thing that comes to my mind is just that, like, quit the limiting stories, the idea that, like, you need a certain amount of dollars in a bank account or that you need a certain something before you are actually able to really do what you want to do. Like, it's just out of reach. I mean, that's – I think that that just doesn't serve you. So having that kind of idea that anything's possible at any moment. And so, you know, why don't you just go – go try to do it I think that 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 could get people to where they wanted to be maybe a little bit quicker I think it's worked for me in some senses and yeah and then just the that like idea of letting go or trusting in the path like a lot of the steps that I was taking I had no idea where they were leading but looking back it's somehow they're like weaving into this web of a life that I've created here and they all have a piece so um, not being too worried about those little details or like the missteps
0: no, it's very yes. well said, and I can't—I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Yeah, just just put yourself out there, and, and it might all not always work out perfectly, but it will work out.
1: Yeah, and yeah, just have humor and enjoy the process no matter what it looks like.
0: Absolutely. So what's next? What's the next step that you foresee happening for you and your new husband and your new life?
1: I mean, we're still really stoked on our life here in Nicaragua, and um, myself in India are really still passionate about papaya wellness, and so I think for us it's maybe trying to strike that balance of traveling more, trying to spend a little bit more time at home with our fans, um, maybe a little bit more time exploring new locations with Papaya Wellness and then kind of calling this our home base. So trying to find a little bit more of that freedom in, in work, and that's what we're working towards now.
0: That's great. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. All the information about Papaya Wellness and what you and India do will be in the show notes so the listener can find you and hopefully book with you or maybe even come work for you guys someday. But uh, thank you for joining me. Thanks, James. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspired you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out spread your wings and try something new to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it, it's the perfect one for you and I'll see you next time.